Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I'm here with George Mays, and it is Text Driven Tuesday time. And today we're finishing up Hebrews, so you'll want to grab your Bible, go to the very end of Hebrews, and we'll be looking at just a few short verses, verses 22 through 25, and finishing up the book. How you doing, George? Doing well. Doing good. Do you need extra support today after you finished uh, finished up your favorite book? I think I'm all right. You good? How you feeling? Feeling good? Feeling pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Feel like you're saying goodbye to an old friend? It was a little, it was a little bittersweet finishing up the book. Yeah, you shut That's the book though. for the last time. And you got to, I mean, we can't camp on Hebrews forever. There's there's other things in the Bible to, to look at. So. Yeah. You seen that meme where that guy's waving goodbye? And he's got tears in his eyes. Is that how you felt? <laughs> That's how I felt when I closed John up. Yeah. Goodbye, old friend. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Put all put all my commentaries back on the shelf last night. Yeah. Hopefully it was beneficial for people. Yeah. Hopefully they, they learned a lot. Yeah. Got a lot of good feedback yesterday from people. So good. Yeah. It was good. The biggest the biggest uh the most common comment i got yesterday was you preach shorter yesterday <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i kept telling people you know we're not preaching long for the sake of preaching long we're just trying to preach the passage and this passage is was shorter so don't need as much time i still preach i don't know how long it was honestly i have no idea it's probably 45 minutes somewhere around there so about 15 minutes shorter than usual yeah about 30 minutes longer than most people preach. Yeah. <laughs> Still. <laughs> right. Yeah. We should have we should have like brought brought you in since it was the final final day of Hebrews in a processional. Yeah. Like Beth Moore. Oh yeah. Yeah. You seen that? <laughs> Is that what happened at Duke? Yeah. Oh yeah, that it was all the pomp and circumstance yeah. that goes in with that. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't seen the pictures? I saw a picture of her standing at the the pulpit in the chapel, but I I didn't yeah. see anything else. Mm-hmm. Yep, got the parade coming in. Yeah, yeah. You missed out, man. We let you down. <laughs> we let you down. Yeah. Bring me in, carry me in, <laughs> sweet daddy George. <laughs> <laughs> I got an article for you this morning, Jay. All right. Been holding on to it for a week. A week? Mm, oh, so yeah. you found it last week I after did. the... Okay. No, no, I, ha- I had it last Tuesday, but I-, I thought, I'll wait till December actually is here. Okay. It's Christmas time. All right. It's Christmas time. You know, we talk about Re- Reformation stuff in October for Reformation Day, but um, it's it's good for us to recognize that the Reformation is needed all 12 months of the year. And uh, so it's December, it's Christmas time, so it's time for some Catholic shenanigans. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but uh, the Vatican has approved uh, plenary indulgences for anyone who prays in front of a nativity at a Franciscan church. Oh. How do you find one of these? <laughs> I was looking. I was looking to see what our uh, what the Catholic churches here in town are connected to, and I couldn't find any connections. 
So I, I don't know. I don't know how you find Franciscan. a Franciscan church. Um, this will be the 800th anniversary of St. Francis of Assisi um, creating the first nativity. So if you ever wanted to know the history of uh, nativity scenes, it was St. Francis. Hmm. Um, and so the conference of the Franciscan family asked the Pope for approval for a plenary indulgence. They said, um, in order to promote the spiritual renewal of the faithful and increase the life of grace, we ask that the faithful receive a plenary indulgence under the usual conditions from December 8th, 2023, uh, which is the uh, solemnity of Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary, to February 2nd of 2024, which is the Feast of the Presentation in the Temple of our Lord Jesus Christ. By visiting the churches run by the Franciscan families throughout the world and stopping in prayer in front of the nativity scenes set up there. That's uh, right there. Um, so I, I guess to, uh, to remind people of what a, an indulgence is. Yeah, there you go. They, ha they say it. Got it right here. Yeah. Right. Um, it is a grace granted by the Catholic Church through the merits of Jesus Christ, Mary, and all the saints to remove the temporal punishment due to sin. The indulgence cleanses a person of all temporal punishment due to sin. However, it must always be accompanied by a full detachment from sin. And here's the, uh, those are the conditions for a uh, plenary indulgence to be received. Detachment from all sin, even venial uh, uh, confession, communion. Prayer for the intentions of the Pope. Um, and uh, it's appropriate for communion and the prayer to take place on the same day. So, uh, yeah, indulgences, we, we think of indulgences as something that happened, you know, 500 years ago. Right. They're still doing them. Uh -huh. we, we talked about it. I know we've talked on it, about it here about the Pope offering indulgences for anyone that followed him on Twitter right. a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so if you find a, a Franciscan church, and I, I tried to find one. I, I don't know if I don't know how to find them, um, but it didn't look like either of the Catholic churches here in, in town are Franciscan. Huh. I did. I spent like an hour <laughs> looking at stuff about the Catholic churches here in town, uh -huh. and I found some interesting things. You did? But any, anyway, I don't think they're Franciscan. Okay. So if anyone was looking for an indulgence, they're going to have to look elsewhere than, than Lawton, Oklahoma. Yeah. But uh, pray in front of a nativity scene and uh, go to Mass and confession and say a little prayer and boom. Time out of purgatory. Time, time, time off. Time off of purgatory. Time off your stint in purgatory. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's a powerful means of control. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, people uh, people will yeah, often sure. bring that up about uh, Christianity. I think you know better to redirect that to where it needs to be control. Like, pow think about that—the power you can wield over people. Do you want time out of purgatory? Well, just buy this, do this, and we'll get. I was it surprised to you. that there wasn't any money attached to it. I don't, I don't think that they. I don't know. If, I don't. I don't think you can still buy indulgences from the church. I think they've. That's bad. Ref reform that. Well, they have a good marketing 
yeah. Uh, um, marketing group now. You but know. that I mean that goes that goes back to uh, one of Luther's ninety five pieces is right. that if the Pope can just forgive sins, why doesn't he just do it? <laughs> right, right. Why does he just do it free? Well, he didn't do it free because he needed to to build all of those basilicas. Right, right. Which is why it started in uh, the first place. Yeah, I had to build Saint Peter's Basilica. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, came across that. Thought it was interesting. Um, People are like, why don't you Protestants ever build anything beautiful like this? Maybe it's because we don't sell. We don't, we don't have... The, yeah. we're, we're not in the business of selling uh, grace to people. Yeah. We just offer it freely through Christ. I'm all about having pretty churches. I think it's a travesty, some of the blocky, ugly churches that uh, are built, but not um, not upon the backs of people buying indulgences you know yeah yeah i i did look into the um holy family catholic church that's off of 82nd they used to have a really good softball team oh yeah yeah so they used to absolutely dominate the church league and i mean total domination like Mm -hmm. run rule every team just beat everyone into submission so george do you want to know what uh what we did about that sure me and my brother-in-law, uh-huh. um, via, what what church was this? It was a church on the east side of town. It was right after I got out of college. I was done playing college baseball. We put together the most stacked church softball team <laughs> in, I promise you, in Oklahoma history. Really? In Oklahoma history. And we pummeled every single team by ridiculous margins, like 25 to nothing. And then we met Holy Family at State. And what do you think happened, George? At State? Church State. What? Church State <laughs> Softball. Church State Softball. Okay. I'll just say, I'll just say the spirit, the spirit of Martin Luther was with us. And it was an absolute bashing. Yeah. We got it, we gave them a little taste of their own medicine. Yeah. We were just loaded up with like college softball players hitting five hundred foot bombs. Mm. Yeah, it was beautiful. Wow, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful day for the Protestant Church. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to tell you about this uh, this church just just for interesting fact. There, I guess they're part of uh, the Byzantine churches which I didn't go down that rabbit hole to find out all the stuff about the Byzantine church, but uh, they're big on icons. Yeah. And uh, they're, uh, you can pull up their icon on the screen. Uh, this is the, the blessed lady that's, uh, that's in their church. That's I think I recognize icon. that, George. That's I the think... icon that they, uh, they pray in front of. I think I recognize it. I think they had that in the dugout, actually. <laughs> they're just carrying it with yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't help. It didn't help him. Yeah, yeah, didn't help him out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, well, I, I just came across that article about the uh, the indulgences for praying in front of a nativity scene, and yeah, just thought it was interesting. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. Or you could just try praying to Jesus. Yeah. on your own. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But that's too easy. That's 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 too easy. You cut out all those other steps. Yeah. 
Who wants that? So, well, shall we jump into this, Giorgio? Sure. Uh, before we jump in, uh, next couple of weeks, the other uh, elders are going to be preaching. Our guys that um, I don't really like calling them lay elders. You know that because that kind of makes you seem like hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. But the reality is, these other the other guys they've got full time jobs, so they're not going to be able to come in here right on a Monday morning and do text driven Tuesday. So uh, to keep uh, the podcast going those weeks. Looks like we'll do a couple free-for-all Fridays. So no, no text-driven Tuesdays after this until probably the end of December. Philip, I, said, Philip said we could come in the, the Monday after he preaches. Oh, did he? Yeah. You sure about that? <laughs> Are you sure about that? Does he have off that Monday? Christmas Day. Oh, that's right. It is Christmas <laughs> yeah. Day. Yeah, it'd be Christmas yeah. Day. So, so we probably won't be doing one that yeah, morning. probably won't be doing that. So we'll have some free for all Fridays, and then we'll uh, we'll kick it back up the end of the month with Text Driven Tuesday. So don't know what we'll do yet, but it should be a good time. Hmm? Sure. Yeah. Should we should we try to do one live? Oh goodness, we could do it. We'd have to mess around with our software and figure that out. But <clears throat> people uh, have been asking; they've been asking for a for a live one. We need someone in here to like have a call, like a call in or a, like people send us text or whatever with right. the, with questions. Yeah, yeah. They do not know what they're asking for. Yeah, they don't know. It could be fun. Could drink about four coffees before that one. Could be real fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, Hebrews 13, 22 through 25. It's just a few short verses. Final greetings is it might be bracketed off in your Bible with that with that statement. Um and you 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 brought up in the beginning how um you know it's here in the Bible, but people may be tempted to to just kind of maybe tack it on to the uh, end of the benediction or, and not really deal with it that much. But you decided to make a whole sermon out of it. Mm-hmm. So explain maybe why. Well, one of the reasons was because I wanted the benediction from last week to be dealt with by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got this great benediction, verses twenty and twenty-one. This this prayer that that God's going to equip you for every good work, and I, I just wanted that to be the sermon. I want I wanted those two verses to to stand by themselves so that we could feel the effect of it and not tack on like oh, here's point three, final greetings. <laughs> you know, um, I I felt like it would maybe cheapen the benediction a little bit, but also I I think that we can. As we're as we're coming to the close of a book, let's be reminded of of where we've been, of what's in the book, and I I feel like the the final greetings here, they do that. There are there are themes that we find here in these these four uh, verses that remind us of the book. So as we we finish the book, we don't want to go out with a whimper, like go out remembering the great truths of, of what uh, the Apostle has written here, and, and we see it in the final greeting. So yeah. I, I wanted it to, to stand by itself uh-huh. 
Um, I guess also kind of the third reason is all scripture is breathed out by God. So as these final greetings are being penned, even though there's a personal historical situation that don't that doesn't apply to us, I mentioned like the saints from Italy are not greeting us. Uh, the, this is the, the the historical circumstance of the book. Um, it still is profitable for us. Mm-hmm. Like it's still, he still was inspired to write exactly what he wrote, and uh, we can we can be reminded of some truths that do apply to us, even through these personal historical situations that don't, that aren't directed at us. Mm -hmm. So hopefully I brought that out. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. You had, so three final words of farewell is, is what you presented to us. And I, I, you know, I, I looked at a bunch of commentaries to see what, what was being said. And, uh, the, the length of the different sections varied pretty widely. the The most I saw was John Owen, and he spent five pages on it, mm-hmm. which I, I actually thought that he'd spend more more time on it, just because it's John Owen. Uh, but then the shortest I found was uh, a more modern commentator, uh, Robert Paul Martin. He spent like a paragraph. He uh-huh. he didn't really get into any detail at all. It was it was here's final greetings. How about Shriner? And Shriner has a good commentary in Hebrews, right? He had four pages, I think. Yeah. I think he had four pages. Well, there's some interesting stuff in here. Yeah, for sure. I just got Shriner's uh, commentary in Romans. Oh, okay. So I'm looking forward to to reading through that. Does he have, yeah. t- does he have two? <clears throat> I'm not two, sure. I think he has two commentaries on Romans. Does he? Yeah. Why? Why two? Like an updated I version? I don't know. Huh? I could be wrong on that. I know he's got two on Hebrews. Interesting. Yeah. When one's just not enough. Different series, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Someone yeah. contacts you to write a commentary for their series. Yeah. I already wrote one. <laughs> right. I write it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just change it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Argue for Paul here in this one, and then you can argue for Barnabas in this one. I don't I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he had four. Mm-hmm. Three, cool. Between three and four, that was that was kind of the the average. Yeah. Cool. What do you think is the best overall commentary on Hebrews? If people were going to buy one, if people were going to buy one, um, I really liked Robert Paul Martin's. He's a Reformed Baptist. Um, I don't think many people know about him. Uh, he it was really good. Uh, I. I did not use it as much as I should have. I started using it more towards towards the last part, and it, he had some really good insight into it. Um, Shriners is, is good. It's uh-huh. really manageable. It's it's not it's not very long. Um, like if you're if you're just looking for something that you can read through or consult easily, don't go towards John Owen. <laughs> that's right. that's no good. Yeah, it's just uh, the, that's, it's that's, just that's, that's his, seven volumes. Just his writing style in general. Writing style, um, the depth. I mean, it's, it's the Puritan depth, right? right. Um, seven volumes. I thought, I, when when I was preparing to preach Hebrews, I was like, this is my opportunity to to buy this. There, I'm never going to buy it unless I buy it now. And uh, found it on sale, and bought these seven volumes, and I hardly ever reference them. Mm. Just because it's so hard to find stuff, and 
you don't have that long to read 20 pages on a verse right from, from john owen yeah yeah <laughs> you know let's what's the passage about not right. what's this one verse and every application that could possibly be squeezed out of it um so it wasn't it wasn't as uh easy to to reference uh-huh. um ff bruce has got a really good one cool um what is it the new what is it the new international commentary series mm-hmm. it's the ones that have like the it's like the brown the brown cover with like an angel on the front mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about yeah uh that was by what was his first name he has a, a wild last name like cockerel okay like a bird uh-huh. um his was really good he had a really good commentary there's a lot. I mean, you, there's a lot. Uh, Pink has a commentary on Hebrews. There's a collection of. Uh, they've started making Spurgeon commentaries. Have you seen these? I haven't. They, you know, Spurgeon didn't preach through books from start to finish. He he was kind of all over the place. So someone, I think Phil Johnson might be attached to it. Okay. Actually, from uh, from Grace to You, um, he. Uh, they've started like combing through all of Spurgeon's sermons, things that he's written, and they've compiled everything that he said about Hebrews, and they put it into a commentary uh, form. Yeah. Um, so there's there's all kinds, but F.F. Uh, F. Bruce and uh, and Schreiner probably are the maybe the easiest to to access. Cool. So good stuff. All right. So let's get into these these three final words of farewell. Before we do, let's have you read the passage, though. Okay. So grab your Bible, Hebrews 13, verse 22. All right. Um, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. Okay. All right. So as you said before, you wanted to kind of, you think you, you, you saw here that many of the themes were presented uh, again. And so I thought it was good because you used that as a way to kind of recap the book and remind us of the truths that we've already encountered here in the book. So you your, your three words that you had were to keep, cherish, and abide. And you presented the first one as this first word of farewell is to heed this exhortation. Um, he says that, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation. So <clears throat> I thought it w- was interesting that you did kind of remind us that Hebrews is really more like a sermon. It's more like a sermon. Um, do you think it possibly was a sermon and then it was taken down and presented in letter form? That's one of the theories is that this is um, maybe a sermon that Paul preached or a, kind of a collection of uh, his sermons that maybe Luke wrote down. That's, that's one of the theories. Okay. Which, I mean, if you, if you think about um, – like Acts 13 and 14, it's as Paul and Barnabas are traveling and they go to synagogues. 
right? When they mm-hmm. go from city to city, they start at the synagogue. And um, interesting enough, in uh, in Acts chapter thirteen, Paul and Barnabas are in a synagogue, and the elders of the synagogue they say, "Brothers, do you have a word of?" exhortation uh-huh. uh, the esv translates it as a word of encouragement but it's the same word it's the same word yeah. um so it's 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 um this phrase it's like a technical phrase for a homily right like, do you have oh you have a word to preach to us uh-huh. um and so they stand up and they they preach the gospel yeah um you could imagine him going to a synagogue and they're like, do you have a word of exhortation for us? And he stands up and just like long ago and many times in many ways. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but it could, it could be a collection of, of sermons uh, that Paul preached. Yeah. Because it's, it's two, it's two Jewish believers. Um, so you could, you could definitely see him preaching it in a synagogue. Yeah. Or, I mean, even a, even a church that's just made up of, um, is primarily Jewish believers, so right. That's that's one of the that's one of the theories. Uh-huh. But it, it does that. That's why that's why people, you know, we don't have. There's not an intro to this this mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a typical letter. Right. It doesn't say Paul the apostle to uh-huh. the Hebrews. Right. Um, it just, he just jumps right in. Uh-huh. Well, that's 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 a sermon for him. Right. Right. Um, the. Uh, the way that the book flows, it's very natural. He expounds on several passage, like individual passages. He'll take a passage and then he'll just start talking about it. Uh-huh. Um, I, I read one one um, commentator that said that he believed that Hebrews was an extended uh, exegesis of Psalm one ten because he spends so much time on it. Yeah, like that's the that's the main the main passage that he's dealing with is Psalm 110. I think there's more to it than that, but he does. He, he takes, he takes several passages and he just, he just exegetes them. Mm-hmm. Um, the warning passages, I mean, there's, it's not, it's not a, it's not like a letter. He's, he's, it's like he's talking to them. Uh-huh. And that's what uh, one commentator said. It's, it's, he wants to impress upon them like he's actually there in the room uh-huh. preaching this sermon to them. Right. And it's a reminder to us that as we read this, this is not just a theological treatise. It's it's not just this abstract theological book. It's it's like a sermon. Um it's you've got to hear it, but you also have to to do it. You have to respond. Right. And that's that's sermon, right? Yeah. Which is really what you were driving at in this point, mm-hmm. right? He's briefly written to us a word of exhortation, yeah. and now we're called upon to believe it. Right. The, the original recipients, they were called upon to believe it, yeah. but we are as well. Mm-hmm. Like We are in the audience, and we are called not just to hear this, right. but to hear it, apply it, and to believe it. Um, and I mean, it, it does no good if you go through the book and you learn all this this great stuff about Jesus and how the Bible fits together and and how all these types and shadows of the Old Testament are, they find fulfillment in Jesus, and then you still apostatize. What what good is it? Right. What, what, <laughs> there's there's no there's there's no there's no benefit for that. Right. And so he uses this word I appeal, which is the word for I exhort or I urge. 
Um, it could even be, I, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you to bear with this word of exhortation. Right. Um, and that, that word bear with it, um, it, it's translated elsewhere as endure. Like, endure with this. Um, he's written to them very strongly. You've got the five warning passages. Um, endure it. Listen, listen to it. Mm-hmm. And then he, he tells them, I've, I've written to you briefly. Like, right. it, I, we might think that, well, this, this book isn't brief. Like, this is pretty long. Um, but as several points in the book, he, he makes mention, there's more that we could say, but I'm not going to, Mm -hmm. I don't have time for this right now. Um, at, at every, at every point he's conscious of the limitations of the reader, the, the hearer. Mm -hmm. Um, it, this is not a insurmountable book. It's not overbearing. So listen, mm-hmm. pay, pay attention. You you can read this book in forty five minutes. Right. Had someone tell me you can you can because uh, I preached forty six sermons. They said you can read it forty five minutes, or uh, preach it forty six hours. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it's not it's not something that is um, impossible for you to to hear and and believe and obey. Right. Yeah. So do it. Uh-huh. So so believe. Right. Yeah, and with all the calls to perseverance, I mean, what a relevant relevant book. We've we've talked about it numerous times when we are talking about these warning passages. Um because we we're, we're in a particular time in history, in Christian history, so especially here in in the West where we are, so we may not face, you know, uh threats, personal threats, but what are we seeing? And we are seeing people not heeding the exhortation of Hebrews that say yeah. that they are Christians. Oh, yeah. You know, I think you see, uh, you know, Dusty is running for uh, state senate, and, you know, Dust, Dusty's our friend, and he can say some things, like both of us have said, that could be controversial. Yeah. But maybe one of the least controversial things that he ever put out there, just kind of people were going crazy over it. You know, he's run kind of like some of his things that he wants to see happen, like um, no fault divorce being banned, right? Reagan, Reagan is responsible for that. Shocker, right? Surprising, but uh, saying that no fault, no fault divorce should be banned, and uh, the the partner who initiates no fault divorce should be publicly shamed, like. Like if you're a father who abandons his children and divorces your spouse, yeah, you ought to be publicly shamed for that. Mm. <laughs> it, people were going ballistic over it. Man. <laughs> of course, they spun it. Newsweek is trying to run like kind of like a hit piece on it and spin really? it. Of course, uh, saying how dangerous it is for women, but really, I'm honestly the the exact opposite of, is true. Oh yeah, you look at the history of of uh, our country, and no fault divorce is has been. Devastating, yeah, devastating for for, for women. Chil- for women and for, for women children. and children, yeah, yeah, and, and so of course all that's tied into the feminist movement, and and they'll spend it. Well, I don't, you, it's because you want, you know, you don't, you want women to stay in abusive situations, but of mm. course that's not what he said. Right. He would never, right. he would never be for mm-hmm. that. Well, it's the same with the uh, the IVF right. stuff that that they're going after him on. 
uh-huh like um spinning it as if his opposition to IVF means that he doesn't want families to be able to have kids right no he just doesn't think that you should um freeze all these embryos right and discard them when they no longer are needed well they're yeah they're temporarily yeah like that then they just destroy them yeah they just get rid of them like those if we believe in um life begins at conception then you're you are freezing children right <laughs> you're freezing a life and then you're just throwing them out yeah ban, ban abortion mm-hmm. should be the most least controversial thing ever you think yeah. you th- you think for christians that that would be yeah. a no-brainer an should, absolute should no-brainer. no-brainer yeah um what else um overturn obergerfeld mm. <laughs> like but yeah. the of course there was the very predictable response from the left but yeah the response from the right was very strong as yeah. well and the like i said these are the least controversial things right should be if you go back even 10 years supposedly i mean most christians then would be like oh yeah well, that's pretty normal but what do we see right we see there's a uh, there's a great apostasy that's happening. Mm-hmm. People are leaving the Christian faith while right. still trying to say that they're Christians. Yeah, it'd be like so. It's like um, I'm going to be a secret Christian in the first century. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to hold on to Jesus, but I'm going to do all this other Roman stuff too. Yeah, I'll offer a pinch of incense to Caesar. Yeah, yeah. So this, I mean, this is. We're in the midst of a, a huge apostasy. I don't think the people don't realize it. Maybe, mm-hmm. um, and it's small step by small step. It starts with, um, I think, what he says back here in in Hebrews chapter five, that um, he's urging them at the end of the book, bear with this this word of exhortation. It's the opposite of what we see in chapter five, verse eleven. Um, there he's about to introduce Jesus as this high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And he says, about this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. And that word dull, is, it's sluggish, it's lazy. That's, that's where it starts. Right. You've got Christians that they, they just stop listening. They, they, they know it. They know what the they know what uh, you know Christianity says, and so they they just stop they stop paying attention. Pastors stop preaching the word of God. They they preach you know their own their own topics, or they tell a bunch of stories. Um, people stop attending, and they 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 call themselves Christians, but they they've stopped listening to what the Bible actually is is calling upon them to do, and so. That that's your that's your first step. You stop listening, and then there's just this gradual sliding. Mm-hmm. Um, he he talks about it in the warning, the first warning passage in chapter two. It's it's like drifting away. Mm-hmm. You don't even realize it. You don't even realize it until you're miles downriver, mm-hmm. and there's no way to get back. Yeah, and that I think that's what we see. So I I, I particularly called out people that have grown up in church. I thought this was a good point of, of application because of the relevance and uh, the directness. So you, you directed it particularly particularly at, at children. Mm-hmm. 
I thought was really good. Yeah. Um, that you may have grown up hearing the gospel your entire life, mm. but if you don't heed this exhortation, you have not applied it to yourself. Yeah. Like you, who cares if you can win Bible trivia? Yeah. If you don't, if you're not a Christian, like if you don't actually know the Lord. Yeah. Uh, if you're if if you if you don't actually have faith in Christ, mm-hmm. okay. Who cares if yeah. who cares if you if you've been catechized uh, since you're you know two or three? It doesn't matter if you if you don't actually put your 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 faith in Christ. Yeah, it does you no good. Uh, I thought about Billy Graham. Um, Billy Graham was in that category. Mm. Have you ever read any of? Uh, I think it's in his. He writes it in his bio, in his biography, that he was catechized from the time he was little, can answer every question, yeah, had them all memorized, mm-hmm. um, and yet he was not born again. Yeah, he was not a Christian, um, and that that is that can be a reality. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, I thought it was good because you directly addressed them, and I think I think they heard. Yeah. They had. I, I mean, we we can forget that there's kids there, and they're. They're able to hear and respond, also, right? And they they need to, uh-huh. they need to, right? Um, but you know, anybody that's there that that was has been raised in church, it's so easy to just grow lazy and sluggish, and you're listening, but you're not actually hearing. And and by hearing, we mean responding. Uh-huh. Like actually, the Bible is actually calling upon you to respond to do something. And if you don't, if you if you just if it just come goes in, but there's no change, it, it's just no, it just doesn't do anything for you, right? Yeah, there's an interesting phrase in the Book of Romans that occurs in the beginning and the end. It almost makes brackets, um, and it's the phrase to bring about the obedience of faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and that's I think important for us to to realize the gospel is good news, right? It's good news, a proclamation of good news of what right. Christ has done in his death, burial, and resurrection, and his ascension, and that uh, he has inaugurated his kingdom, he's coming again, um, but there's a word in it to be obeyed. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. That is to turn from your sin and to trust in Christ and to enter into his kingdom and participate in kingdom work. Yeah. So obedience of faith. Mm-hmm. Um is to be obeyed, not just a truth to be learned, yeah. uh, but something to be obeyed. Yeah. I mean, we talk about how faith is a gift. God gives the gift of faith, but he doesn't believe for you. Right. You have to believe. Mm. Um, it's man, it, An easy illustration is Lazarus right. in the tomb. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. Well, what has to happen before Lazarus can come out? God has to bring him to life. Uh, but he still has to come out. Right. Um, he's not being dragged out. Right. He still has to respond. Yeah. And if he doesn't respond, he's just gonna live in a in a cave. Right. <laughs> he's just gonna live in a tomb. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So you have to you have to do more than just fill your head with information. You have to actually respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's your first word, uh, a fa- final word of farewell. Heed the exhortation. The second one is to cherish the church, verses 23 and 24. Um, this, I think this is a good, a good word for us 
today, again, again, in the context in which we live, because people can go to church. You can go to church every Sunday and yet not cherish the church. Oh, yeah. So let's think about that for, for a little bit, right? So if, you're, if your entire life is lived in the other six days of the week, right, and all of your best friends are not in the church, all of your activity, all of the fun that you have, maybe all of the joy and happiness you have in your life is six days a week. And then it's the church is somewhere that you go. Maybe you hear a word of exhortation from a pastor. Maybe you go, it brings up very um, these good feelings. Uh, people can go to church for a lot of reasons. One, I think that, that you'll find is a habit mm-hmm. or brings up these feelings of nostalgia of maybe right. a better time in their life, maybe their childhood. And so they'll go to mm-hmm. church, but they never really actually become part of the church. They're not part of the body. And so they don't, and they don't cherish the church. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, it's like a separate, it's like a, like a dual identity almost. Um, that's not what really the goal, the goal here is, right? The goal is to, um, to have your life the other six days of the week be, shaped by your life as a church member. Right. Right. And it's kind of it's kind of a big it's a there's a big drastic difference. Mm-hmm. We we live in a place where I think there are a lot of people who go to church but they really don't cherish the church. You know, we we uh just I'm I'm thinking still about the Catholic Church because of that story at the beginning and and you can you can be a a good Catholic and not really have to do anything with other people. You can you can come and go to confession. You go into that little box and talk to the priest. Um, you can do mass. You can pray before a nativity scene, um, and you don't have to. You don't really have to do anything with with other other people in the cathedral. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you go. It's, back, it's very it's very individual. You go back. Right? To, you go back to the softball team. Right, <laughs> like who are these free agents? Who are these free agents on your team? Like you just, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, uh, they're not, are they're not part of your church? They're just, uh, you got all these guys from the Dominican Republic stepping up. For... <laughs> yeah, like, like we'll we'll pay you in we'll pay you in beer in the parking lot. Just, oh, yeah. just come play for the team, <laughs> right? But they're not they're not part of they're not part of the church. Um. But the same thing, the same thing happens in in Protestant churches, you know. Yeah. Um, well, you got people that will will come in late. They'll sneak in. They'll sit in the back, and then they'll they'll leave as soon as the maybe even before the service is over. Right. They'll, they'll leave. Um, I've seen it in many churches. Right. Um, you got to be because <laughs> you got to be around people. Right. And um, that can be an inconvenience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because we're in a we're in a group of people that everyone's probably not exactly the same as you. Um, there's going to be people that maybe you feel awkward around or you think that they're kind of awkward around you or you just, maybe they're just, they just don't have the same interest as you. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, this is not a social club. <laughs> this is we're we're not we're not uh, we don't come because everyone has the same interest, right? Uh, I mean, you've mentioned it before. If we 
we knew each other in high school, we never would have hung out. Right. Like our circles would never have met. We would have crossed as strangers in the hallway. Yeah. Yep. Um, but we're we're in a church of people who have been redeemed by Christ, and Christ redeems people from all walks of life, mm-hmm. all all manner of people. Right. So our our it's not our it's not our common interest and hobbies or personalities that should mark us as a church. Mm-hmm. It's our identity in Christ. Right. Yeah. And so you you pulled this from uh, verses twenty three and twenty four, really about Timothy being released and he's coming to you soon and to greet all your leaders and the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. So really, you see here the, uh, this thriving community, this thriving community of faith, these people, these Jesus believers who have actual real concern and care yeah. uh, for one another. Across a, a, a wide geographical area, mm-hmm. I, mean, we, there's, I mean, there's debate over where the letter is, is coming from, where it's going. So all the those from Italy send you greetings. Uh-huh. Is this being written from Italy to somewhere else? Is it written from somewhere else to Italy? And and these saints that are from Italy are sending greetings back. Um, there's there's different opinions. Right. The majority opinion, I think, is that it's being written to probably Rome. Right. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Right. Um, what matters is you see the this mutual care and concern for. For each other across a wide area, uh-huh. wherever these saints are, they're in different locations, and they they care. I mean, Timothy has been released in the context, probably from from jail. He's probably been imprisoned. Well, why is he writing this? Because they care. Like they, <laughs> they have concern for him. They heard that he was in prison. They've been probably praying for him. Maybe even sending him stuff uh, to to. Uh, you know, provide for his needs. Um, he's been out. He's been he's been let out. They want to know because it will bring them joy to know that their their brother has been released from prison. Uh, they're they're sending greetings back and forth. Uh, they they love each other. Um, even outside the local church, that they show they show concern. It reminds us that we're not the only Christians in the world. Mm-hmm. That's that's an important reminder for us. The church here is not the only faithful church in the entire world, right? And we need to we need we need that reminder. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, but just to show show the love that uh, these believers have towards one another, we we need to have that same kind of love. Um, here, right? Yeah, you had a good line: "To love Jesus is to love his to love his bride." Yeah, right. You. If you really love someone, like, can you really say, like, you brought up kind of the illustration with you and your wife, and like, your identity is so tied to your wife, which is the way it should be right. in a Christian marriage. Yeah. Say, George, I really like you, but I can't stand your wife. Yeah. Like, probably not going to be good friends. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> right, you've you've just canceled out the first thing that you said. <laughs> yeah, and you know me. You know from my personal. If you, oh, I know. If I know you do you. something to my wife, <laughs> like John Wick. If you, yeah, if you do something to my wife, like uh, 
I'll forgive you, but I'm never going to like you again. <laughs> like ever. Yeah. You're going to get side eye from me till the day you die. Mm. Till you make it right. If you make it right, then then we can talk. Yeah. Right. So, um, <laughs> how like how much more? Right. Like people wonder like what what's going to happen when Jesus comes back? Well, read Revelation. His bride is being brutalized, persecuted. People are his people are being beheaded. He's not coming back to make peace at that time. Right. Right. You mistreat it. You mistreat Christ's bride, and you're going to pay. It's coming back for vengeance and judgment. Yeah. Um. So it's impossible to be like, you know what? I'm a Christian. I just don't like Christians. I don't like. I don't like the church. Yeah. Now. Or it can be a good Christian and not go to church. Yeah. Like this isolation as if as if you you can do everything that God has commanded you to do by yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you it, can't. Uh, you can't obey this book uh, outside of a local church. You can't right. do it. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. Exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. Yeah. That seems to that seems to strongly imply that Christians are going to be around each other throughout the week. Well, you see, George, that that's where you're mistaken because people do it on Twitter all the time. That's right. Don't you know that? They sit in their home and maybe they probably don't aren't even involved in real mm-hmm. Christians' lives. They're exhorting you though, George. It's, it's a style of good yeah. good spirit mm-hmm. to uh, to exhort you on right. Twitter. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ram- Rambo is only real because it's a movie, right? That doesn't exist in real no. life. <laughs> no. right. I mean, a soldier alone on the battlefield is not good. Yeah, like that's not that's not uh, you're dead. Yeah, you're you're not going to be the the super soldier, right? Yeah, yeah, you're you're a goner. Um, but I, I don't. I think that we do. I think people do that because they don't. They don't heed this word of exhortation. They don't believe that the danger is real for them. They, I think, I think we have this prideful view of our own Christian walk, and we think that I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fall away. I'm not gonna slip away. There, I'm, I'm going to be able to walk the Christian walk without being a part of a local church. Well, you have to create a different, a different religion if you're going to do that. Christianity is communal. Right, you're part of a community, right? A fellowship, a brotherhood. I mean, that's that's what church means, right? right. Like it's the it's the gathering. <laughs> Love the brotherhood, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost like if you're a football player and you become disillusioned with football, and you say, you know, I'm still a football player, but now you can't play. So now you've got to create a different sport or something like this. Mm. Like now you're a disc golf player. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you're still calling yourself a football player. Yeah. But we know you're playing disc golf. Um, okay, but let's not make lightly of this of this reality. There are a lot of people in, especially I think in the Bible Belt, right, who have become disillusioned with the church because, mm. let's face it, a lot of people grew up in very unhealthy churches. Yes, extremely unhealthy, mm. and probably under terrible leadership. Yeah. Many of them, maybe even under unregenerate leadership, um, 
most most people today have never heard an expository sermon. Yeah. I, I think that's I think John Piper is the first one that said that. Maybe I could be wrong. Or it might have been no, it was Steve Lawson. He said most people have never heard an actual expository sermon. They may, they probably have heard a lecture or maybe they've heard a motivational speech. A lot a lot of motivational uh, speaking out there. Right. So what do we say to people in our lives who are completely disillusioned with the church? Yeah. Right, they have a lot of bad memories from it. Uh, they're very untrusting. Like Hebrews' word of exhortation is submit to your leaders mm-hmm. yep. and obey them. And they're thinking, that's never going to happen again. Because mm-hmm. last time I was part of a church, this happened. Yeah. What, what do we say to those people? Well, I think that we, we should be honest that it does happen like people do get hurt by the church um without without dismissing people who actually have been hurt by the church i think a lot of people um use that as an excuse to to apostatize and we're we, we see it we see it with the with people who are deconstructing and usually what they mean by uh the church hurt me is they won't let me be gay you know Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we keep seeing that. <laughs> right. They speak out against homosexuality. They're right. hurting me. Mm-hmm. So let's be honest about what that actually means. What does it actually mean to be hurt by the church? Like if, you're, if you're saying the church hurt me because they, they said something I didn't agree with or didn't like, but they're, they're preaching the scripture, then let, let's be honest about that. Uh, but there are people that have been legitimately hurt by the church. Um. I don't want to like put myself on a pedestal, but I've been hurt by the church. Yeah, um, there's <laughs> there's nothing worse than getting ready to preach and hear someone come in and say, "I'm here to vote out the devil." Like that that that's hurtful. Yeah, to have people lie to your face and and scream at you. Yeah, I remember um, that, uh, that, that hurts. I remember after hurts. that all went down with you, I yeah. I uh, I don't think I could get a hold of you for like a couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, um, it is. <laughs> It's very possible to be hurt by the church, and I know people that have been hurt by the church. They've been hurt by pastors, um, but the scriptures still tell us that we are not to forsake the, the gathering together of ourselves. the The New Testament is very clear on what it looks like to be a Christian. And it always is in the context of a local church. And that takes faith. Mm -hmm. It takes faith to believe that, yes, I've been hurt, but that does not mean that I have a pass to disobey um, or to just give up on the church. Um, Yeah, you, you probably... We've got a great church. This is the best church I've ever been a part of. But you may still be hurt by people in this church because we're sinners. We're sinners. Um, we've got five elders telling me that you're going to agree with everything that the that every elder does 100% of the time. Probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that does not mean I'm going to leave and I'm just going to you know, watch John MacArthur every Sunday. That's just not Christianity. Um, you have to believe what God's word says. Trust it. Trust that God knows what is good and right for you. 
Um, and and then just obey in faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's hard for people to get. That doesn't mean stay in a church where the you know there's, um, well, I mean, <laughs> I would just go ahead. Uh, I, I've gotten in trouble before. I'll just yeah, get I mean, in trouble. I'll... That doesn't mean stay in a church where um, you know the pastors are in open sin, um, where the where the pastor is um, plagiarizing, right? You know, plagiarizing his sermons. Uh-huh. Or where the pastor is. I mean, I, I've seen stories online about pastors that have been caught in adultery and stuff, and the church is like, oh, we forgive you. Like, right. like I'm not saying stay in a church where there's like open, unrepentant, um, like disqualifying sin with the elders, or where there's, you know, abuses being covered up, or, you know, where they're teaching heresy or, or, um, you know, God whispers about sexual sin or, or whatever. I'm not I'm not saying stay in the church in a, in your local church no matter what. Um, if, if something like if there's if there's a, you know a case of a pastor abusing kids in your church, like take your family and go somewhere else. Yeah, and call the police. Yeah, um, yeah. So if there, if there's like legitimate reasons to leave that local church, mm-hmm. then then do so. That, that's not what I mean by you know cherish your church i mean cherish a good healthy local church um and you're not going to find a perfect church so don't don't go looking for a perfect church i don't don't join a perfect church if you find it because you'll mess it up yeah i mean but but find a local church and commit yourself to that local church submit to the leadership with all of its uh flaws and weaknesses and and spots and sins um, and be faithful, be faithful in in a local church. Yeah, you've got to, and, and also like if you have maybe you've been hurt by a church, and for and there's legitimate reasons for you to to leave. I think you what you've got to do is like two things that are helpful: have a better appreciation for uh, the the universal church, right? Right, mm-hmm. and because probably in America, within driving distance, there's going to be a church that you can go to that's right. relatively healthy and doesn't have like abusive people in it, right? And you may have to step out of your um, like what you would want in the ideal church. Like maybe you're reformed, right. and you can't. There's no you can't go anywhere <laughs> like that. Okay, well, there are legitimate believers in other. Right. Churches, and so maybe you're not going to get like reformed, ex, uh, you know, expositional preaching, but you can still be a part of a community of of, of believers that are going to care for you yeah. and care about you. Um, and the other thing to do is to try to, if you have been like really hurt by Christians, you've got to be able to distinguish and separate humans from from Jesus. Right, like Jesus didn't do that to you. Right. We have Jesus's words, we have his teachings, and we have the teachings of the apostles, which are Jesus's words through the apostles, right? So that is perfect, and that is the the, the standard and the ideal. So don't then, you know, cast these human failures upon Christ because humans have failed you. Right? He never fails. He never will fail. He'll never let anyone down. And he's perfect. He's perfect Lord, perfect Savior, and he cares, and he can identify with all of the pain and struggles that people go through. He knows what it is to be betrayed, uh, to suffer, to be stabbed in the back by his friends. So don't 
throw away Christianity because humans have failed you, mm. right? That can be difficult, so maybe go somewhere, you know, get your wounds healed, yeah. and then try to find another church. Uh, that's why I said it takes faith. Like the the scriptures, I mean, we we've got Hebrews chapter ten. Don't 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 neglect meeting together. Um, it takes faith to believe that mm. that this is for your good. Like this is what God's this is what God's plan is for Christians is that they would be in a local church. Mm-hmm. Um, believe believe God's word. Believe that he he knows better than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We we have to live by faith and not by sight. Yeah. So that was a good point that that you had there. And then the last one was to abide, abide in grace. So these three final words of exhortation is heed this exhortation, cherish the church. Now abide in grace. Uh, grace be with all of you. That's the final. That's the last verse. That's the, final that's words. the last verse. Yeah. And this is a typical. It's interesting. Another argument I, I think for Paul's authorship mm. is that this is the typical way that Paul ends his his letters. Um, I was looking at the way Peter and John, I can't remember if James does it or not, but they'll say, um, peace, peace be with you. Uh, it's uh, it's almost you. like grace is freely given. Yeah, that's right. And we don't have to uh, get some indulgences to get it. Uh, that is true. That is true. Right. Well, it's gracious if you can... Uh, pray in front of a nativity scene god will the pope will let you get out yeah. get out of a little bit of purgatory i'll give you grace <laughs> but only if you do something to get it first and it's right. almost like you're redefining the word grace yeah. call me crazy <laughs> right um anyway uh <laughs> paul paul ends almost all his letters with some word of grace yeah, grace and peace be to all of you, to be be to you all. Um, but but Peter and John they end with with uh, peace, mm. peace be with you, peace be. It's with interesting. You, yeah. uh, this uh, this ending is um, identical to Titus three fifteen. Mm. So again, if you're looking for another uh, evidence that maybe Paul wrote this, I, that's maybe a good one. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we we skip over this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Grace be with all of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we read it like goodbye, right? <laughs> right. Uh, but it, especially with this book, for him to say it's, it's a it's another benediction. So we read a, the longer benediction in verses twenty and twenty one. But this this is a short closing benediction. It's a it's a prayer for grace to be with his his readers. Um. And again, a benediction, it's more than just, um, you know, wishful thinking. It's, um, it is a, a prayer of certainty that comes from someone authorized to speak for and from God. And that's especially important for this book as, the, as they're struggling with, I mean, as he, as he closes, there's still persecution. There's still false teaching. There's still the temptation to leave. There's still the pool to go back to the the temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, grace will be with you. You can you can endure. You can you can obey this book. You can heed the 
the word of, of exhortation because not because you're, you're good enough, not because you're strong or smart enough. It's because grace is going to be with you. Mm. God's grace is going to, God's grace is what, um, brought you to Christ. We, we see it all through the book. We go back to, uh, chapter two. It, it's by God's grace that Jesus tasted death for everyone. Um, in the chapter four, um, he he we can confidently approach the throne of grace and we can find mercy and receive grace um, in time of need um god is the one that graciously sent christ to die for us he's the one who graciously brought us to faith in christ he's the one that sustains us and he's the one that will bring us safely home he'll bring us into his eternal rest um, that's that's good news that that's that's the confidence that we need that we in the middle of this world where there's all kinds of hardships and sorrows and temptations and, and um, dangers, grace will be with us. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good final word. Yeah. Yes. That's what we need. That's, that's, uh, that really is the, the hope of this book is, is God's grace. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, what are you, uh, what we got coming next? Well, uh, like you said, we've got the uh, the other elders are going to be preaching uh, the rest of December. Yeah, so we've got Dave and Parker and Phillips doing Christmas Eve, and then you're you're preaching New Year's Eve, aren't you? Yep, yep. I've got uh, you know what yeah. you're preaching. What well, kind of made me want to preach Psalm ninety eight? Okay. I'm like easily distracted by <laughs> like whatever I read in the Bible at that time. I was like. I thought you were going to give us uh, a vision. Yeah. Where there's no vision, the church, the church is going. You to... You know, I did, I did do a sermon on that one time. Yeah, um, it was probably like eight years ago. Maybe I could go back and look at that. Without a vision, the people perish. Uh-huh. Um, and what was interesting was a couple of people around town did that, mm-hmm. uh, but in the traditional. They probably read the first line and didn't read the second line, right? Yeah, like the second line states clearly what the first line means. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, don't know. know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, and then you're gonna you're gonna start Romans in January, right? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> just something that almost threw me off yesterday mm. as I was preaching. Mm-hmm. I made a little snide comment about how Hebrews is brief. We only had forty six sermons. Right. And uh, you're probably going to preach a tad bit longer in Romans yeah. than 46, because Romans is longer than it's longer, it's longer than Hebrews. Uh-huh. So I, I mentioned that even amongst the letters of the New Testament, Romans and First Corinthians and Revelation are all longer than than Hebrews. Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine you're going to preach longer right. on Romans. And I looked at you, and it was just stony face. <laughs> <laughs> I was just locked like, in. Oh man. no! Did I offend him? <laughs> I was locked. I was. I was just locked into the sermon, man. Locked into to yeah. my listen, listening zone. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking. Like I was thinking, mm, how many? How many uh, are you thinking? I, I don't know. I've. You don't I've, know. I have pretty much all of next year mapped out. So. Yeah. Uh, there'll be. It's hard. I mean, you get. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get to passages. And you're. You're going to. You're going to change. You're going to change things up probably. And then, well, looking you'll probably at start it, studying it and be like, eh, "This could be its own." Yeah, Romans is is interesting because you'll have these bigger sections, right? Where, like, maybe if you're preaching them in a chapel service, where you know, 
Yeah. The whole staff is there. They're highly educated. And yeah. then the mo- majority of the people there are going to be pastors. Like they know a, already know a lot of a lot of these things. Uh-huh. You can take a you can take like a big chunk, right? But then if but if you're going to preach it, and there's kids there, mm-hmm. there's teenagers there, right? Or there are you know very maybe nominal Christians there. There are people there who think they're Christians. They're not Christians. Yeah, you can't do that. You gotta you gotta right. divide it up into smaller chunks mm-hmm. and explain things more thoroughly. Yeah, you just have to. Yep. So. Because of that, these bigger sections that really kind of hold a theme together inside of them are smaller, very important things to understand. Right, and so that is what makes it more difficult. Mm-hmm. It's look, it's it's. I think it's easier to on a piece of paper outline the Book of Romans. <laughs> yeah, but that outline, and I have Philip actually found. I had several outlines of Romans, and one of them for my New Testament professor, I took it ridiculous amount of notes in that class uh, way back in seminary. So I have all those notes, and then Philip is like, hey, I had this pastor, and he was like, and I mean, I don't know if he had Asperger's or what, but this guy put together a booklet of more outlines of Romans than I've ever seen (laughs) compiled in one place. So whoever you are, yeah, I'm impressed with your... Organizational skills. Okay, um, <laughs> uh, it's amazing, but what they aren't is preaching outlines. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. The, I mean, you look at the um, so every commentary, every commentary is going to have like an outline for the book, but they're not necessarily preaching outlines. It's mm-hmm. more of like here's the thoughts. Here's here's right. breaking down the thoughts. Right. It, was, it was the same with Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd get like big chunks, like here's the next flow of thought. Well, can't preach all that in one. Right. That's not that's not going to work. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So commentators they'll they'll uh, they'll break it apart and outline it by its thoughts, but yeah, not not preaching. Yeah. If I had to guess, I would say somewhere between like fifty five and ninety. Okay. Will be that's a not a that's not a wide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gotta leave. I gotta. I got to leave it open like that. Yeah. So, so I, I uh, so I'm doing Malachi. I'll do Malachi in in between there a little bit, um, and then I'll start Matthew. Mm-hmm. And I kind of did a just a kind of a bare bones outline of of Matthew, uh, 131 sermons, mm. and I was trying to do some math of how how much I preach every year, and that's like five years. Yeah, it's gonna be a long time. Yeah, we'll and I may I may break that apart some and uh-huh. do something in between. Yeah, just so we don't get. I don't want it to be a slog. I, I want us to enjoy studying right. the bugs. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're what I've kind we're of lock, we're locked in for at least the next three or four years. What I've kind of thought about doing is bro- uh, the first uh, mm-hmm. sermon. I don't know for sure if I'll do this or not, but maybe uh, giving a handout and there's like kind of like more uh, four main sections of Romans. And then, so those would be the four points of that sermon as an introduction to the yeah. Book of Romans. And so you, then you'd get the whole Book of Romans in one in sermon. One sermon, yeah. And then it starts, and mm-hmm. we kind of go through, yeah, uh, slowly. Yeah. That's good. So um, that's that's the hope. You, you know, when you get done, you don't want people to go, "Man, that was awesome," but I still don't know what the Book of Romans yeah. is about. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're not we're not preaching through books of the Bible just to preach through. We want the people to actually know the book better. Right. So that they can live, they can live in response to it. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, 
It's a really an amazing book, really. Mm-hmm. Um, super relevant, of course, especially in our time and our day. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Looking forward to it for sure. Yeah. Very good. All right. Thanks, George. So uh, just a reminder before we hit the outro music, uh, No Text Driven Tuesday next week. And uh, we'll try to uh, go over with some free-for-all Fridays to fill them in. So we'll uh, hopefully be back for that. Thanks for joining us today. Hopefully you understand the book of Hebrews and it's helped you. It's helped change your life. And that's our goal. The goal for the Christian to be more like Christ, to be conformed in his image. And for those, maybe you've shared this podcast with people that aren't Christians. So it's our hope that, you know, that you would become one, that you'd be one who comes to place their faith in, in Jesus Christ. That's our goal. So please give us a like, maybe subscribe and share. Um, maybe write us a review. Help us to get the podcast out to a broader audience. Um, oh, I've been told to ask for donations. I feel weird doing that, but you can also do that. You can donate. You can go through our website. You can go down to the bottom and you can uh, click donate so that we can get better microphones, I guess. Huh? <laughs> better microphones, better software, all of the above. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.